Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 228 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. September has brought with it some much cooler conditions, and as the days grow shorter, we chase around to get the bees treated and fed. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. After a one-week hiatus following the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, it's been something of a surreal and strange week or so, given that for my entire lifetime I've only ever known one monarch. Despite the massive changes happening here in the UK right now, our honeybee colonies continue on as if nothing has changed. Another summer over, and autumn beginning to shape the weather with temperatures suddenly dropping like a stone overnight from unbearable sleeping conditions one week to, well, nightcaps and bed socks the next. Possibly not nightcaps and bed socks, but you get my meaning. The mornings have a distinct chill about them now, and our honeybee colonies are changing and adapting to the onset of the long period of around six months before we ease out of winter into another spring. It seems such a distant date on the calendar, but as most of you will know, it won't be long before we're running around again in a bit of a panic trying to get ready for the start of the new season. Well, that's how it seems for me. But my plan this year is to be ready. It's always been my plan, really. Each and every year, have everything ready in time for a fast start in March or April. And every year, so far, I seem to have failed. There always seems to have been something getting in the way of autumn cleaning, winter repair work, late winter preparations. Just always something that slows me down and prevents me getting ahead. Well, this year, I just can't allow that to happen. It's always been quite easy to catch up. If you've only got 10, 20, 40 or 50 hives, it doesn't take a lot of effort to bring everything back under control. And I think that's why I've always been a little bit late with preparations. I can sort it kind of last minute and get there just in time. Not so easy now that we have 170 colonies. That's the approximate starting point for me right now. I've confirmed numbers in a week or two, but it is looking to be something close to 170. With this many colonies, it's just not possible for me and Steph to hit the panic button and within a couple of days have it sorted. We now need to plan and we need to stick to the plan. First things first, we need to get round all of the colonies and get some feed into them. Not all of them. Some are almost honey-bound. What I mean by this is they have far more frames of honey than brood right now. Maybe six or even seven frames of sealed stores and just two or three frames of brood. 
it's not something to worry about. The colonies have plenty of bees, so these colonies are all but set for the coming chill. All colonies now have treatments in, with the exception of a couple. I miscalculated when I bought the treatments in, and we ended up being short. Ironically, and also typically, one of the remaining few colonies that hasn't yet had treatments has a severe varroa problem. Varroa damage, parasitic mite syndrome, call it what you will. It does need urgent attention though. I'm going to experiment with it and throw in a mite away quick strips treatment max for short. I've never had a great deal of luck with these treatments, but I have some left over from a previous season, so I'm going to give it another try. Kill or cure as they say, but hopefully not the former. The IBC tank of syrup remains sat in the yard. It's the first time of buying in bulk and I'm making a right mess about getting a tap fitted to it. First I was going to pump the syrup out, but the pump I have can't handle the thick syrup. It's probably okay for one-to-one syrup, but anything thicker and it just doesn't want to know. Following that revelation, I bought a tap adapter for the tank. Oh, the IBC bit stands for intermediate bulk container. I never knew either. At least my podcast is partially educational. Anyway, the tap adapter I bought was the wrong size, so I'm back waiting on another one to arrive, hopefully with the right fittings on it. Here, we're back to being prepared for the season, and I just wasn't ready for the moment the bulk tank of syrup arrived. Too many other jobs getting in the way. Anyway, all things considered, I feel we're in a pretty good position heading into the autumn. Most of the colonies have good numbers of bees. The colonies we split are making up new comb on the frames of foundation we put in. And the splits with newly introduced caged queens have all settled well and are likewise looking good for the autumn. I just need to get some feed into them all now and I think I'll be quite happy overall. One of the main tasks currently is preparing colonies for winter but it also means we need to prepare apiaries for the winter nothing terribly complicated here more of a tidying up exercise you see as the season progresses we gradually have a build-up of equipment dropped off at various apiaries things like queen excluders supers nuke boxes spare brood boxes complete hives The list seems almost endless. All of these things either end up on a hive or get stacked up ready for use, or not as the case may be. And at this time of the year, it's important to get them back to base and tidied away before the real autumnal weather rolls in. This is where the need to remain focused comes in. It's been a long, quite brutal summer for us. The increase in workload has been significant. Increasing colony numbers from around 70 to 170 is a massive step for us and the accompanying increase in effort has been quite tiring at times. It's all too easy for me to look at the weeks ahead and think that with no more proper inspections, just a little wandering around topping up feeders with sugar syrup where needed, there's no rush to tackle all the other jobs and we can relax. Well, As I've already said, we can't fall into that particular trap this year and I really need to stay focused. We do have quite a lot of cleaning to get through and that will be my main secondary focus after feeding the bees. You will hear of winter losses as we go through to the start of the new year and beyond, but what of summer losses? 
They've not been insignificant this year. The wasps certainly made sure of that. Wasps and wax moth. I've seen plenty of both this year, once again. And we need to get combs cut out and rendered down before it becomes a mass of moth silk and ends up on the allotment bonfire. I'll have to carry out a count-up of the number of colonies we've lost through various reasons. None of them to foul brood diseases, thankfully, but devastating nonetheless. Failed queens, varroa damage, wasps, severe chalk brood. I think it's probably going to be around 10% if I were forced to take a guess. Maybe 15 to 20 dead colonies all summer. I don't think the severe drought conditions will have helped either. What I really have to do now is to get on top of the clean-up process and sort it sooner rather than later. Even if we just get the frames out of the boxes and render down the wax comb, that will be enough to prevent the wax moth playing havoc with the comb and also stop them chewing great big holes into the brood boxes as they set themselves up to pupate. Cleaning is essential to make sure we don't allow the wax moth population to explode, but also to keep the kit that we have in as good a condition as possible. We also have around 120 polyhives that we've not yet used. These are Langstroth polyhives. We need to check through each piece of equipment, repair where required, and paint them all ready for next season because, and here's this week's little bit of exciting news, Next year, we're planning to increase once more to around 300 to 350 colonies. Another doubling up or thereabouts of our current stock in order to have as many colonies on the borage as possible. We've yet to hear from our farmers as to exactly how many acres of borage they'll be planting, but the colonies we had at full strength on the borage that produced nectar all went on to store very large quantities of borage honey indeed. This beekeeper's expectations and optimism are once again very high. At this time of the year, and although we are still very busy, my mind does turn to planning for next season. It's an important part of developing our business, and trying to picture where I want to be at the end of next season is a great way to start the entire planning process this autumn. If I want to push our colony numbers up to around 300 or maybe even 350, it does mean we need to have a very accurate picture of the equipment we have and the number of colonies that can be split to assist with that increase. Winter losses will inevitably occur, but I don't expect them to be greater than 5%. That's my usual target, and most years it does fluctuate from around 5 to 10%. We have a number of colonies that have been reserved as overwinter colony sales, so taking that into account, I anticipate a total number of colonies available for splits to be close to 150 or thereabouts. I really like the method we used this year of adding a second brood box to spring colonies and then splitting them apart. The vertical splits also worked well in most cases, and if you have limited space, I highly recommend this method. It's a kind of demarie split. What I did find, though, was, particularly with the commercial and Langstroth hives, it's the sheer weight of the top box that makes it quite difficult to lift off on your own, certainly for me. Far better for me was splitting the two boxes by separating them and creating a completely queenless colony in its own right. What I mean by that 
is we added a second brood box to a colony so that we had a floor, the main brood box, a second brood box with foundation, a queen excluder and supers above that, but only in the very large colonies, then a crime board and a roof. Once the colony had drawn the frames in the top brood box, remember this is a period during the peak oilseed rape nectar flow, so the colonies had all the resources they needed, bees and food, and once they had drawn that foundation, a queen excluder was then placed between the two brood boxes, trapping the queen in one or the other brood box. No need to go looking for her, as we could instantly tell which box she was in, depending on where the eggs were. One of the changes I will make next year is the time period between adding the queen excluder between the boxes and the point at which we split the colony down into two separate hives. I think we were a little quick to split them this year, and as a result, we had very young larvae that the workers were able to create queen cells from. My thought process for next year is we need to leave around two weeks between adding the queen excluder before splitting them away from the parent colony. This should mean all of the eggs and very young larvae have been capped and there should be no opportunity for the queenless split to be able to make any queen cells. This works for me in two ways. Firstly, it means I won't have to go through the queenless colony checking for queen cells a few days after we split them. And secondly, any queen that's introduced should be more readily accepted. I'm sure I will make some checks through the queenless splits to check for queen cells. You know how workers are so adept at doing exactly what you don't want them to do. I'm sure they'll find a way to trip me up somehow if I give them a chance. So having said I won't check, I'm sure there'll be a few test inspections just to convince myself all as well. Finally this week, the very nice people at Simon the Beekeeper are sending me a new bee suit to try out. It's called The Defender and appears to be one of the new style of lightweight mesh type suits that has a weave thicker than the bee sting so they can't penetrate the suit. It will be interesting to see what it's like and how it feels to wear as I've always shied away from just this type of bee suit. Who knows, I might just find it to be the best suit I've ever had. So watch this space as they say. If you've not yet taken a look at our support groups, check out the Facebook group, Stuart's Beekeeping Basics. We have lots of experienced beekeepers in the group willing to offer help and advice to you if you've just started out on your beekeeping journey. Don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk. And for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Mm-hmm.